to connect with other people who attend New Church Live and just get into that community. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is that the way that New Church Live operates is through your donations. So we encourage everybody to consider making a donation to New Church Live. And the best way, no matter how you attend New Church Live, no matter when you're watching this service, even if you're watching it midweek, we still need you to help support us. Um, so we hope you'll consider making a donation. And the best way to do that is online. Um, you can go to our website and there's a donate tab, or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. And it is the backbone behind all the things that happen here, community service, the website, the live streaming, the small group program, all the pastor work, pastoring work that Pastor Chuck does. It just really is all possible through your donation. So we so appreciate your support and uh, we just appreciate everyone doing their bit. So that's it for me. Um, happy Sunday, everyone. What a great song. What, what a great song to like think about, you know, as we're, we're launching into a new school year here. And I want to welcome whether you're kindergartner through college student, through a parent, through a grandparent, great grandparent, whatever. It's a great time of year as we go back to school because it's an experience we all have to just take a little breath and just think, oh yeah, what do I want this coming school year to look like? What could it be? How could it be somehow different? How could I really live into this life that I feel like I want to live into? And so that's what we're going to hope to give by the end of the service, this real sense of meaning and a real sense of purpose, as God would give us to see it. Again, that action, that idea that love and action is what remains. Like, how do we live that purpose into our lives over the next nine months? So thank you for joining us. Great to have you here. And I want to say, of course, I know that with any school year, there's going to be good days and bad. I like this New Yorker cartoon about the beginning of the school year. I think that really is true for a lot of folks. The school year, the school year can be a little intimidating. You know, I can still remember as a little kid, I grew way out in the middle of nowhere. Sort of you go to the middle of nowhere and then you went further on into nowhere. And, and waiting at the end of, of Ironbridge Road for the school bus and just hearing that sound in my stomach. You know, still to this day, the sound of a school bus makes me a little anxious. And so that's welcome, welcome to life. You know, here I am 56 and I can still feel it here today, just all those years later. And the question becomes, all right, so if the year's going to have good days and bad days, how can we figure out a sense of meaning and purpose to get us through? Meaning and purpose. Look, I want to be clear. No one has a good life who sees their life as completely meaningless and completely without purpose. There's no fun waking up in the morning thinking, this is meaningless, this has no purpose. And that's where I think God can interject some pieces for us that can really help us to start to see it very differently. So you start to see the world differently. And what we're going to do is, is we're going to take today, we're going to look at it one of two ways. We're going to look at meaning and purpose as two separate things with a common thread. Now first, the two separate things. And again, granted, this is a little bit of semantics, but it just helps us to hold it in a different way. One is first to look at meaning, and to look at meaning is when we look back into our past. When you look back into our past, back into your past, how do you make meaning out of it? I guarantee, you know, that, that even for those of us who are way, way, way out of high school, 
I guarantee you that there were, there were teachers, there were events in second grade, fourth grade, sixth grade that shaped exactly who we are today. And can we give those events, some of which are good and some of which are challenging, can we give them meaning? Can we give them meaning? Meaning that actually feeds into our purpose. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to find the thread. We're trying to find the thread that runs through it all. What we call divine providence, this, this, this river, this current that just pulls us along. Pulls us along, trying to bless us, trying to find ways for us to live who we were intended from all time to be. You know, growing up's hard. I'm sure I speak for all of us here. You know, we're, we're all sort of wrestle with this idea of, of this is who I really feel called to be. This is my true self. And yet so much of life is spent sort of lost out there on the fringes of that. Not really living into who we actually are, but living out here in terms of who we imagine other people might want us to be. And this back-to-school service is about getting back to meaning, getting back to purpose, and maybe finding a great year ahead because of that. So we want to start with talking about meaning. What does it mean to look back into our past, and in looking back into our past, to then move that forward and to say, all right, what does that have meaning for today? Now, I am very fortunate, very fortunate to have a dear friend of mine, Reverend Barry Halderman, who's going to share a little bit on this question. What had meaning for him back then that certainly shaped who he is today? So please welcome Reverend Barry Halderman. Good morning, everyone. So uh, as Chuck said, I've known Chuck for a while. We've worked together in the high school. I'm the chaplain and religion department head at the Academy of the New Church on whose campus this building and this service is taking place. So we've known each other for a while there. We actually knew each other way back in high school, but uh, I shouldn't go into high school relationships because maybe they weren't as good as they are now anyway. So, and one thing about Chuck, I gotta tell you this. Chuck's mentioned the Steelers in rural Pennsylvania. Um, I'm a Philadelphia fan, and you saw Ethan up here. You know what shirt he's wearing? The Eagles, all right? So just a quick thing. I'm supposed to get spiritual, but go birds, all right? A little go birds here. Thank you. A little go birds from the end. I tried not to boo when he said the Steelers. I don't know. So anyway, most of us, that's Philadelphia, right? I'm suburban Philadelphia, and that's what I got. And it's interesting. He talks about his experiences from rural western Pennsylvania, but an experience is here in uh, you know, suburban Philadelphia. Uh, I grew up in a very, we'll just call it a very sheltered, homogenous environment. Sure, we're right on the edge of the city. There's a lot going on, but, but really, a, a lot of us grew up, and you know, I was growing up in the 70s. I know you, it looks like I wasn't even born in the 70s, but yeah, so I was growing up in the 70s, right? And uh, it's a pretty sheltered environment. And you only have experiences that you pretty much want to have. It's pretty sheltered, it's pretty easy. So I grew up with a really easy life, and there's some great stuff with that because you tend to build up some good self-confidence. Uh, things work, you're successful, and you know, in your own little world, it's a great world. But one of the things that I noticed as I started to get a little older, you know, and pushing on from older elementary into high school was that uh, there's situations where I felt uncomfortable. And the ones where I felt uncomfortable were new situations, new environment, new people, not in my own little sheltered world. 
And so those things, I didn't like that. I mean, who wants to feel uncomfortable? Discomfort is not something we seek out. So I, of course, would avoid those situations. Stick with the friends you have, stick with the people you know, stick with the experiences that you know and that you can be successful in, and avoid anything that might cause discomfort or failure. Um, and I was really successful in my world, in my, you know, in my own mind, in the way things worked. I had a good, a good ed education, good high school career. I was good at sports. I actually, the Lord, and I believe in providence, Chuck was talking about providence and the being in the stream of providence. I mean, the Lord gave me some great experiences. And he would also throw in some discomfort. So one of the things I found I was really uncomfortable with was just kind of new situations at all. So, but I heard this passage. Um, a new church teaching when I was early on in high school, and he was talking about how the Lord's church is universal. It goes beyond simply the boundaries of, of the religion you're brought up in, beyond the little church you're brought up in. It's universal. It's with all people who live in the goodness of charity according to their own religion. And I thought that was fascinating because I grew up in a religious culture, and, you know, I felt pretty good about what we taught. It wasn't like a big motivator. I'm just a kid. You know, how much are you really motivated? But yeah, it was a comfortable life. But that, that was a jarring idea. And of course, I didn't really want to seek that out. I mean, who wants to seek out an experience where you have to be with people who are that different from you? It's a pretty comfortable world. So something happened at, towards the end of my high school career where um, I had no idea which college I wanted to go to. I was a smart guy. I was going to be able to get into a lot of different kinds of environments, but I had no clue. And then I found out that Temple University was offering scholarships, academic scholarships to, you know, successful, shall we say, suburban kids. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. Didn't know what I was going to do, didn't have a clue, said, I'm just going to take that one, right? So I knew I was going to put myself in discomfort, and it's hard to kind of embrace that. And I got to say, I was a sheltered suburban white boy, frankly, from around here. Those are my experiences, and I needed to see some new things. Temple was great for me. I wouldn't have chosen it if it just didn't suddenly hit me in the lap. I probably, you know, landed in my lap. I probably would have chosen something else because it would have been more comfortable. But some said, just take that opportunity. So I took it. And I started getting exposed to a lot of different ways of, of seeing the world, a lot of different kinds of people, a lot of different situations um, where, well, of course, they were uncomfortable. I didn't know that person. I didn't know their experience. And I was kind of quiet, um, which as a teacher now, maybe... That seems strange, but so getting exposed to new things. And one of the things I got exposed to, again, on a kind of a whim, I didn't know why, I was in the business school and I took a comparative religions course. And here's another thing where there's a moment where, I don't know why I took it, I just, ah, oh, that sounds fun, religion was kind of fun, I'm supposed to branch out, take some different things. Took a comparative religions course and that idea that I had heard about when I was younger, that hey, the church really is everywhere. Yes, there's unique things in each different church that, that matter, but the church is really everywhere. So I started studying comparative religions, started having some new ways of thinking about the world, new experiences, and again, meaning, what, what is the meaning of this? At the time, do I really know how this is going to play out? But it really just kind of pushed me in a whole bunch of new directions. And my wife, who was at the University of Delaware at the time, she was my girlfriend at the time, so she started having some different experiences. And then we realized, you know, there's a lot more we need to expose ourselves to. So meaning and providence and how it all fits together, 
um, now that's, a, that's an important part of my life, how to bring much more diversity in, how to see the big picture of religion. I teach comparative religions. I went on and got some, a master's degree in comparative religions, and I'm also an ordained minister in this faith. And so it became a big thing. How do I bring these, all these ideas together, and how do I encourage new experiences in a much more, uh, you know, there's the good parts of being in a smaller sheltered environment, and there's also the need to expand. So how do we balance those kind of things? And so that became something that was really important to me. So, uh, you know, what is meaning? What experiences are you going to have? What experiences are going to be meaningful to you at some point? Um, you can't really see them ahead of time if any of you are still in school and you're going through your schooling years. I don't think you're going to always get the meaning out of your experiences now, but the idea of looking back and seeing that there is a stream of providence, a thread that goes on. There's a story in, uh, the, about Moses, the prophet Moses, where he gets to see God at work, but God passes by. He's up in the cleft of a rock in a mountain. He's not going to be able to see God directly, but there's this image of God passing by him, and he gets to see God as he passes by in the back. And it's an interesting story about just, you can't really see what's coming ahead of time, but if you look back, you can see God at work. You can see the Lord at work in your life. So I just want to encourage the search for meaning and don't expect that you'll understand everything that goes on in your experiences, but pay attention to what makes you comfortable and pay attention to what makes you uncomfortable. And I do think the Lord is working with both of those. What, what works for you really well? And when are you going to be out of your comfort zone? And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to seek it out? Are you going to learn from it? And that's one thing that I realized I had to keep learning from. Take a look at your experiences and try to learn. Try to see meaning in them. From the meaning then, life develops purpose. And all of those experiences eventually helped me figure out my purpose. But for purpose, I'm going to go back to uh, Pastor Blair to tell you a little bit more about the idea of purpose. That was great. Boy, I loved, I always love hearing what Barry has to share. You know, he's, he's very articulate and, and, and it's interesting, right? I, I had this image. I know we, we have, I know we have a big online audience. For those of you who can't see, I know you can't see the studio audience. We have a lot of, of high school students here today joining us in our studio audience. And I can remember thinking back in high school that, boy, all these adults must have it figured out. And, and you know, hearing Barry share there, I feel like, yeah, I have to hear those messages too, right? We, we get into comfort, and yet the growth edge is always going to have a foot in discomfort. The growth edge will always have a foot in discomfort. So what can remain the same? Well, I want to share a couple of things with you here, and then we're going to have our middle song, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to fine-tune it a bit. One is, one is this incredibly important idea, right? So, so we go through our lives, K through 12, all these different changes and shifts in our lives. And then we reach certain points in our lives. You know, for me, it was, was a senior in high school where maybe for a brief second, we feel like we have it all figured out. Freshman year in college, will take that all away from you, <laughs> as will being 25. And... And, and then, you know, we, we, we got to start to figure some stuff out. And this is one that's really important, what I'm going to tell you. This is something I would urge you to take a screenshot of, because I think it's that important. Purpose is not just what we choose to do with our lives. Purpose is who we choose to be in our lives. It's not just what we choose to do. It's who we choose to be. 
Now, now the doing part's important, but I don't want to get too hung up on that. Because, folks, I, I guarantee this year's going to have days like this. And it's going to have horrible days. It just is. And if, if, if we think the purpose, I'm going to come back, I'm really going to stress this point a lot today. You're going to hear me say it about three times. If we really just center the locus of our purpose on good days, we're going to be in trouble. Because not every day is going to be like that. So how do we find a purpose that is really about what do I choose to be in life? A book all of you should read, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. It's, it's a book from a man who went through the Holocaust, and he talks about finding meaning there. A lot of what Barry said. And, and, and that finding meaning there, like he had to find it despite circumstances that were giving him nothing. where every day was bad and getting worse. And the big aha was, yeah, even in that, he got to choose to be a certain kind of person. That's spiritual freedom. That's a life of purpose. That's what God desires for you. So what I would love to do, we do this a lot in New Church Live where we put up a question in a 60-second timer and let people either answer the question in the chat function on Facebook or on, on YouTube or on live stream. You get to answer it there. As well as we invite people, if you'd like, you can text me in the answer at 215-740-3662. And this is the question. Who do you want to be in your life? Like, who do you want to be in? Like, how do you want to show up? What adjectives would you use? Not what are the list of events that you hope to do, though that's good to do too. It's more like, yeah, who do you want to be in all those events? Who do you want to be? Let's put that out there into the universe. We're going to put up a 60-second timer here, and I want you to go ahead, feel free to text me or put it in the chat. And then right when the timer ends, the musicians will lead us in our in our, in our middle song, a beautiful song, a beautiful song about hoping that you dance. Because that's where the dance is. We really live deeply into who we are called to be in our lives, regardless of circumstances. So please shoot me an answer there. What a beautiful song. And, and you know, Emily Neathan, so talented. And, and that idea of the dance, like from all of us here, all of us older folks, talking to those of you in school, whatever that might be, like, that's what we hope. We hope you dance. We hope you dance. We hope you find that deep meaning and purpose in your lives. And find a way that lives it. That, that you know, the glory of God, as Irenaeus said, is the person fully alive. That is so true. And I want to talk some about this thread Again, this thread that runs through it all, this, this idea of you know, how divine providence kind of works through it all. And I want to talk about this thread, and I want to talk about it with purpose. And I'm going to come back to some of the points I made right before the song, because I think they're, they're really super critical, super critical to remember. 
and super critical in terms of the decision making we can make in terms of the kind of year we're going to choose to have. Again, so much of it won't be our choice, but so much of, of what you folks texted in, that is your choice. You really do get to choose these things. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to read those at the end of the service because we still have some coming in. And, you know, I'm sitting back here talking to Barry. What you folks wrote was beautiful. Just, I mean, gets me a little kaflumped reading it backstage. It's beautiful. And this is what we can choose to be. And this is where God will support us in that endeavor. Now, I want to take a look at this because, because I think it's, it's super, super important. If we think of our, our thread of life, right? And, and we, we think of our life, and, and a lot of the time we think of our purpose. Okay, so this purpose is figuring out this string that's going to run through your life, this, this thread. Uh, made famous by the movie, A River Runs Through It. In other words, what's the river that's going to run through your life? What's the theme? Well, and one of the challenges is, this is especially, I think, if, I, I know for me, I shouldn't speak for other people, I know for me, I wish someone had told me this when I was in high school. I really thought this, well, yeah, I, I want to live a purposeful life because le- meaning a life, leading a life that is meaningless and without purpose doesn't seem like a good idea. Please, math teachers, don't be offended. That sounds like taking Algebra 2 for the rest of my life. And, and we have to sort of see it differently, because one of the challenges is, folks, here's our life, and then, and then we think the graph goes up and to the right, and we see these, these peak moments up here. Like, here's my life, and then this happens, or this happens. We win the big game. I get elected to this. So-and-so says hi to me. Um, so-and-so will go to the dance with me. I made a friend. Whatever that might be, these peak experiences, it's easy to get confused and to think, oh, that peak experience is the purpose of my life. It's very simple to do that. It's very simple to do that. The challenge is, as I said, you know, not every day is going to be like this. In fact, most days are not going to be like this. And I am not a negative person at all. I'm pathologically optimistic. But I know it's not true if I tell you every day is going to be like this and somehow you'll be able to level up and just live like this the rest of your life where every week you beat George School in football. Just saying. It's not how it works. Life is like this some days and it's like this a lot of days. Please listen carefully. You are probably more likely to find your purpose when life's like this. Not all the time. I mean, I think some people do find it up here. But I think you're probably more likely here. Because your game, your racket, the way you sort of set up life, it won't be there. You're going to have to scramble for something a little different. I think for a lot of people, the problem with forming your life up here, that cheering moment, is that it's based on a lot of people sort of giving you a pat on the back. And then we find ourselves in lonelier moments. But that's where we get maybe to understand our sense of purpose a little bit more. And then what we find is then we find a sense of purpose that does run through our life. It runs through it in incredibly good ways. That purpose, folks, ends up being true in days like this. 
and it ends up being true in days like this. That purpose, in other words, it becomes unconditional. That's so important. I mean, that, that I kind of think every sermon should have a pivot. For me, that's the pivot. My wish, our wish for you, is that you find a purpose in your life that is unconditional. And it's not going to be about what you do, per se, though doing is important. It's going to be much more about the choice of how you choose to be. And I've I've seen that experience so many times, folks. You know, years ago in in my teaching career, I I dealt with a student who was uh, profoundly handicapped. Amazing young man, amazing young man. And, and I was talking to this student, and I thought, boy, it'd be great to get this student. I was, I was in an administrator's role. I thought it'd be great to get this student to talk to other students about what it felt like to be handicapped, to be handicapped and not be able to do all the things that this person saw other people doing. And I still remember to this day, you know, I, I, I'm talking to this, this young man, and he, like, looks at me perplexed, and he's like, Mr. Blair, I never thought of myself as handicapped. <laughs> He was clearly handicapped, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't that he was denying what the truth of the situation was. What he was saying is he had a purpose beyond that. You know, that's somebody who had a purpose in life that was, was bigger than his best days and bigger than his worst days. And that's how we know we have found our purpose. Now, the beautiful part of all that is, of course, God doesn't leave us just alone. He doesn't sort of set us out there and say, well, you figure it out. He gives us lots of ways to figure it out, lots of ways to kind of see it and to to get a sense of it. And one of the biggest things I want to talk about, and we could come at this from a million different directions, is is the idea that, that the Lord, that Jesus constantly did this. He constantly says, reminds people, you are sent. You are sent. You are sent out there into the world to touch people, to be part of healing, to bring joy. We get it totally backwards. We kind of start wondering, well, God, what are you sending my way? (laughs) Or what are other people sending my way? Again, Viktor Frankl, amazing book. He's sitting there in Auschwitz, and what he realizes was that he was a very affluent doctor in Vienna before the war, and now he's stripped of all that. And and before, he had this life where he could have everything. He sort of had this big menu out there, and it was all about, oh, what do I want life to bring me? Oh, what do I want life to bring me? Oh, what do I want life to bring me? And he had the resources to do that. Welcome to the internet. (laughs) Welcome to social media. Where we can have life and life can bring us all those things. Then he ended up in an environment where none of those things could be true. Where life literally could bring him nothing. And he had to decide. He had to make the choice right there of who he's going to be. Please allow this to really land deep in your soul. The choice was not what was life going to bring to him, 
But what was he going to bring to life? What was he going to be in life? How was he going to look back on all these experiences, extract as much meaning as he could, because that matters? And how was he going to allow God to give him a sense of purpose moving forward? How was he going to do that? Now, that idea of being sent, I love this, this idea that, that, you know, when we see the Lord, when we see Jesus, we, we have to always see him with a smile. I think too many people see him as like a grumpy teacher. He is not. Jesus was funny. Jesus was approachable. He was filled with joy. He was happy. That's why, again, the promise there is, is not just for joy, but for abundant joy. Not just for peace, but for a peace, a peace. Imagine, boy, just imagine you had this in your life, right? Not just peace, but a peace that passes all understanding. In other words, you can't even imagine it. And when he says those things, I really believe he says them with a smile. And this is important. He talk, constantly talks about sending people out to do things. Not once does he send people to check up on other people. Not once. I do a little morning chapel, and it was a fascinating little part of a story where Jesus is talking to his disciples about how they're sent. And then the next phrase, the next paragraph says, and the Pharisees, the clergy at that time, sent a group to check in on Jesus and make sure he was doing it right. That's not the kind of scent that works. It's not what Jesus is about. It's not about critique. It's about partnership with an eye towards service. It's about partnership with an eye towards service. Look at this beautiful line. These 12, and here Jesus is talking about his 12 followers, Jesus sent out, go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you Go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And again, he's not pushing heaven like way out there. Of course there's a heaven. Of course there's a life after death. And he's saying, well, let's actually live this here and now. Like, what does it look like to bring heaven to earth? As in heaven, so upon the earth. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. to those students who are joining us today. What if you just held out to those highlighted words? You are sent, and you are sent to freely give. No strings attached, no transactional love, just a sense, a scent there that is about pure giving as best you can. The more folks, and again, I wish someone had told me this when I was in high school. The more we get lost in serving, the more we get lost in giving, the less time we'll get lost in all our self-esteem concerns that are so draining. And I'm using that lost in service and lost in giving in a really good way. Like, those are those moments, right, where we find ourselves just, just in the flow. We're doing things, and it just works. It just hums. Time goes by. We're meeting new people. All, all those self-esteem concerns, how I look, how I blah, 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 all of, them, all of them go. That's the freedom the Lord wants for you. 
That's the freedom of life. That's where you can find joy. Energy, fun, the whole thing. That's where it really starts to appear. It's interesting, Jesus goes on and he says these words, you know, and it's, it's, it's about how did he want them to be in this journey? Well, here's a beautiful line about how he wanted them to be in the journey. He said, love one another as I have loved you. That is how they will know you are my disciples. Again, it doesn't say like, they're going to know you're a follower of me if you can say these 40 things. No, it says they will know you are a follower of me if you love one another. He leaves himself totally out of the equation. Like, how cool is that? They will know you're a Christian if you love each other. There's something to think about. There's a sense of purpose. And I think that's why when it comes to the end of the Bible and Jesus has this what's known as the Great Commission, you know, this great setting out, the key word in there is go. Go. Go and do it. What a great command that is. Go. This quote from New Church Theology, it's charity alone, loving others and compassion that joins a person to the Lord. That's pretty simple and pretty profound. And it doesn't say it's about being right. It's about being loving, compassionate, and charitable. All those things. And that's where, folks, we start to find this thread. Now, in this, in this thread, is this thread that runs through it, I want you to hear, in these people's responses, this thread of purpose. And I want you to hear as well, like, this is where we're sent. We're sent to be these things I'm about to read to you. And that's why you already know them. And, and yeah, it was phrased as a question, but don't forget, this is really, really neat, really a neat way to look at the word. The word question, we ask questions because it's to help us find our quest. The same root. We ask questions to find the quest. So I want you to hear these, hearing them as these are quests that people are on. These are ways people feel like God is telling them you are sent to be this in the world. And I want you to notice as you hear it too, you're going to hear these beautiful things. They're not dependent on good days or bad. They're dependent on you deciding to be who God created you to be. So take a listen here. And again, these are coming from all over the U.S. I want to be a strong constant for my wife and children. I want them to always know that I love them through anything and help them. Mostly, I want to follow them and enjoy their lives and live with them. In that, I hope that I find the confidence to support my search for peace in doing things that I feel called to do. I want to be, and I'm, doing, and I'm going to be the kind of person who deals with others in all circumstances with kindness and compassion. And there's that, doesn't matter up here or down here. I want to be one of the ones who forgives myself when I don't live up to that. That's a biggie. Most of all, I just want to be someone who follows Jesus' example. 
Another person writes, selfish, selfless, empathetic, patient, and the list goes on and on. Optimistic, no matter what happens. My Facebook reflection this morning on the sixth anniversary of our, wild, our wildfire home loss was this. Thank you for always being the optimist. Be the light in the darkest part of others' lives. That's beautiful. Loving, dependable, and go stealers. I hope to be a positive influence in the lives of others, providing love, support, and friendship, bringing joy and hope. Bringing a sense of joy and hope to them. That is a great one. Someone who shows up and is always present for family and loved ones. I want to be the loving, understanding mother, sister, friend, and hopefully grandmother someday. I'd like to be a peacemaker. Confident and organized. My best self, the one who God created me to be without judgment. And I would add on of ourselves or others. It's beautifully said, beautifully said a good and free person with God in my heart. Spot on. Kind. Someone who makes a positive difference in the world. Now, folks, this is a handful of them. There's a bunch more that'll be online. And, and I just want you to think about that. Like, that's what you're actually sent to do, is to be that thing. The peacemaker, the joyous person, the connected person, the present person. Life circumstances do not change that. What changes is your willingness to live into that. And that's where I think God smiles and constantly goes like, just join us here, just join us here, just join us here. You'll know that by the love you have for each other. So, to all the students gathered here today, I wish you just a great year. I wish you a great year. Same to all the parents, grandparents, to everyone. And, and, and what, what I wish coming out of this service is that we can all together just keep on leaning into to what is the sense of purpose we want to live into? Who do we actually want to be? Let's give words to it. Let's make decisions around it. And maybe let that shape somehow into what we do in the year ahead. Let's live that. Because that's where you'll find who God truly created you from all time to be. Blessings on a year being sent, my friends. What we're going to do now is I'm going to invite Reverend Barry Halderman out again. He's going to lead us in a closing prayer, followed by the Our Father prayer, followed by a moment of quiet reflection, and then we will have our last song. Thank you for joining us. All right, if you all uh, bow your heads, do what you do to uh, join in prayer and clear your thoughts for a moment here. Lord, we ask your special blessing on anyone involved with people going back to school at this time. For the students in your care, for the parents in your care, for the teachers in your care, for all of us who have friends who are sending uh, children back to school. 
it's a stressful time for a lot of people, a lot of things going on, especially in our world today, and, and we all need your blessings. So please bless all those involved in the whole school year that, that's just begun. Um, and bless us all with your presence. Help us to see a little more of your providence, to be aware that you're leading and guiding, to be confident that you're leading and guiding. Help us to see some of the meaning that goes on in our lives. And above all, help us to see some purpose. If possible, help us to see purposeful things to do. Help us to know what we should do. But above all else, help us to know how we should be in all situations. Help us to look into the, your your qualities, your character, how to bring those into ourselves. Help us to figure out how we want to fit into that and help us to be that person that you created us to be. Amen. Now you can join in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. And give us this day our daily bread, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.